It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Caliger, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week television network. That's right, you can check it out uh, on all the major streaming devices like Roku, etc., etc., etc. Just go to uh, Ginico, USA, G-I-N-I-K-O, USA.com. And I'll create a free account right now. It's not just uh, previous uh, shows like this one. It's all of the events we've been doing over the last uh, over 15 years now. So uh, check it out. It's got some great stuff. And speaking of events we're going to be doing, uh, make sure you tune in next week for a huge uh, announcement of an a event we will be taking part in. I'm excited about it. Uh, you're going to be too. And I uh, just can't talk about it until next week. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by my book. Tom Molino from Bondage to Better Man of the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show. Just visit BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting Tom Molino's story told. Wait, whoa. You want a signed copy? Don't worry about it. Just uh, go to the website, billycboxing.com, and uh, click on the book. Or if you're looking to get uh, more than one copy and you want a special deal and you want it signed, uh, just drop me an email, billy at talkinboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Coming up a little bit later, we'll have Dax Khan joining us, as well as my man Alex Papali. And uh, we will be uh, discussing some of the fights from last night. I got a couple of emails, uh, one specific email to read. Uh, Maybe a look at the heavyweight picture, breakdowns and predictions of the big fights next week, including Terrence Crawford against Amir Khan, a fight I'm looking forward to. Uh, All of that's coming up a little bit later. Don't forget, get involved with the show. Send us a super chat through our YouTube chat room. Get your comments, questions, thoughts, opinions brought up live on the show right now and uh do a super chat bid for a talking box with billy c t-shirt which i have right here um all right let's kick it off with uh, uh some of the fight results first um I, of course we're going to talk about uh, Clar- uh clarissa shields uh, victory over christina hammer but the fight that i, I was kind of looking forward to and the reason why i was looking forward to this fight was because I've been interested in the development of Jaime Mugaya and, you know, his kind of quick rise. And, and, and it goes back to really the first time he was in uh, the limelight when he was announced as a potential opponent uh, for Triple G when the uh, fight with Canelo initially uh, fell out. 
and the Nevada State Athletic Commission and that gutless, spineless piece of garbage, Mr. Bennett, Bob Bennett, said that Mugaya uh, was not uh, good enough for, for Triple G. And since then, he's been on a tear, uh, winning a world title, etc., uh, etc. Et now, his climb has been a calculated one. And uh, he stepped in the ring uh, last night against Dennis Hogan. Um, and Dennis Hogan, you know, a tough fighter. I, I really thought that this fight was going to kind of be a, a, a showcase fight in a sense for Mugaya. I thought that this fight was going to be, yeah, okay, he could dismantle the, this level fighter and no, no disrespect to Dennis Hogan at all. But, but the thought that was going through my mind was that Mugaya was going to be able to dismantle Hogan and then cry, basically, I don't mean him cry, I mean like just scream, that's a better choice of words, scream for a better opponent, a bigger fight. And instead what we got was a fight in which I think uh, the powers that be got the result wrong. I think Dennis Hogan won the fight. Uh, Jamie Mugaya looked to me as uh, a guy that it, it has punching power, but that's it. He doesn't have much move, much movement. Um, he doesn't kind of, his hands are down. He's very vulnerable for punches. He's not very fast. Um, he's not improving. Uh, he's just not improving. Uh, nonetheless, physically and record-wise, he improved last night to 33 wins, no losses, uh, with 26 of his Ws coming by knockout. It was a majority decision win. Uh, one judge had it 115-113. One judge had it 116-112. And the third judge, which very well may have had it the closest at even, 114-114. I, I personally think Dennis Hogan won the fight 115-113. Uh, it was a close fight, depending upon what your uh, thought is when you score. Um, Mugaya was clearly moving forward during the fight. Uh, and trying to press the action. But you can't just win a fight and win rounds on scorecards just by moving forward. You got to land some punches. I thought that Hogan was avoiding a lot of punches, but because he, he stayed on the ropes a little bit, um, maybe that's why the judges leaned towards him. I'm not sure. Uh, at the end of the fight, uh, Dennis Hogan said, uh, I knew I won the fight. I'm really disappointed to have trained as hard as I did. Uh, and for this to happen, we came here in good faith and no disrespect to the people who scored this fight, but that decision shouldn't go through. This is bad for boxing. It's bad for me. And a rematch accepted right away. No questions asked. Uh, everyone saw uh, the fight. I was moving and landing more shots. Every time uh, I, I knew I was uh, being successful at doing that, his power didn't phase me at all. Because I'm moving and rolling with his punches, uh, doing what I do. He's a great fighter, but I could see it in his eyes. He knew he was losing. At times, he was acting desperate. I wasn't even worried that much. No disrespect. But I could take his shots, and I was landing more than him. Uh, get the CompuBack box, uh, properly count the punches. You'll see I was winning the fight. Uh, I was comfortable in there. Um, I don't pay much attention generally to the CompuBox stats, but I do know this. I do like to listen to some of the instructions in between rounds, and it was clear to me that Mugaya's corner was uh, trying to get him to throw more punches midway through the fight on, especially the last three rounds, uh, and specifically the last two. 
they kept telling him, you need these rounds. You need these rounds. You know, I mean, uh, just to uh, make it close. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Mugai, at the end of the fight, he felt I clearly won the fight. He said I was uh, always attacking and connected with the harder shots. But if he wants the rematch, we'll give it to him and even go to Australia. Uh, I don't know. We got to see some improvement with Mugaya. Uh, that's my initial thoughts for sure. Uh, also on that card in the super welterweight division, junior middleweight division, however you wants to look at it, same division as Mugaya. Uh, Patrick Texaria, uh, which I know I'm pronouncing that name wrong, and I have an email uh, correcting me on on other murdered names. I apologize, uh, Patrick. Uh, but Pat. Um, won a 10-round uh, majority decision uh, to improve to 30 wins, one loss, and 22 of his wins coming by knockout. Uh, and he won the majority decision over Mario Lozano, who drops to 33-9 and nine with 24 knockouts. 96-94 twice. One judge had it even. 95-95. Uh, now over in the female side uh, of, the, uh, of the fight game, uh, last night a, uh, a big fight uh, that took place uh, for female boxing, and uh, I think it was one of the most significant fights uh, so far uh, of the year uh, for uh, f- women's boxing. Um, Cr- uh, Clarissa Shields uh, became the undisputed um, heavyweight, uh, I'm sorry, uh, middleweight uh, in the world when she uh, beat uh, Christina Hammer, handed Hammer her first uh, uh, loss. Uh, of her career, uh, a unanimous decision to pick up uh, three of the four major belts. Uh, Christina, I'm sorry, uh, Clarissa Shields now has the WBA, WBC, and IBF uh, titles. Uh, Clarissa improves to nine and two with two knockouts uh, when she won a uh, decision over Christina Hammer, who drops to 24 and one with 11 knockouts. All three scores, uh, I'm sorry, all three judges scored to fight the same, 98-92. Uh, after the fight, uh, Clarissa Shields said she's the uh, best female fighter ever. Um, I don't know about that. Um, I think maybe when it's all said and done, maybe I don't know. You know, she fights uh, um, like a man style, which uh, I, I love the way she delivers her punches. Um, she was very elusive. Uh, I was talking to uh, via email to my man Mitch, and. Uh, you know, I, he knew I was kind of leaning towards Christina Hammer a little bit. Um, you know, I, when you look at that fight, you, you, you look at the fight and you see uh, Clarissa Shields uh, fighting aggressively, elusively, landing hard shots. She seemed very comfortable in there. Uh, a lot of times she seems uh, jacked up a little too much, seems wild at times. She didn't seem that uh, too much last night. Uh, but Christina Hammer was also kind of the perfect fighter to display that kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, tendencies, so to speak. Uh, Christina Hammer fights clearly European slash uh, Klitschko brothers style. She stands straight up, uh, tries to uh, set up all her punches with a, with a jab, and tries to utilize her height and reach advantage uh, by setting up the distance. She likes to fight outside, which she did in the first round. Uh, in a sense, peppering uh, Clar- uh, Clarissa Shields. I'm having a hard time saying Clarissa this morning. Uh, Clarissa Shields. But I think as that turned out, that was a, uh, okay, let me let me see what you're going to do to me round 
on Shields's part because uh, uh, Clarissa kind of took over from there. At times, it seemed like Christina Hammer thought that Clarissa Shields was roughing her up too much, and she was. But hey, this is called fights. You know, it's uh, professional fighting. Uh, it's it's a fight. You know, it's it's pro boxing. Uh, and unless you you had to stand and throw jabs, unless that was in the rule, uh, I thought uh, Clarissa Shields looked good. I don't know if I'm going to uh, anoint her the best female fighter ever. Um, you know, um, you know, you could make an argument skill wise. Maybe she was. Layla Ali was pretty damn good herself. And there was a slew of other great fighters, female fighters, that just didn't get the recognition that Clarissa seems to be getting today. Uh, so none, nonetheless, she's uh, one of the top pound-for-pound female fighters of today, uh, anointing herself the best ever. Eh, I think that might be a little premature with a fighter that doesn't even have double-digit professional fights under her belt, although she does have a couple of gold medals uh, in her uh, trophy case. But... Uh, Anyway, some other fights uh, I wanted to talk about um, on uh, that particular card uh, was uh, uh, Jermaine Franklin improved to 18-0 and with 13 knockouts when he scored a 10-round unanimous decision over Rydell Booker in their heavyweight fight. Um, Booker drops to 25-2 and with 12 knockouts. Um, you know, I- I'm watching this fight. And uh, Franklin was, was uh, you know, the favorite in this fight. Booker um, was uh, a top contender and then got himself into some trouble and uh, sat in a slammer for several years and is making a uh, comeback. Uh, both fighters, uh, you know, uh, to me, uh, gave a physical uh, resemblance of what's bad with the heavyweight division. You know, you think of heavyweights and, and poof, you see these two guys in, in the ring and, uh, you know, I mean, they weren't as fat as Jarrell Baby Miller, uh, but they definitely had some Tony Tubbs-type uh, physiques in there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I think that's what, just getting off topic for a second, I think that's what really separates, you know, Deontay Wilder, uh, Anthony Joshua, Dillian White. I mean, that separates those guys, Kubat Pulov. Um, and I say this because those are heavyweights that are in shape they're big strong guys that are in shape you know uh what we saw with uh, uh franklin and booker was two big guys and and actually franklin's not even that big um but they clearly weren't in physical shape now they obviously were in as far as wind and doing their road work they went 10 rounds uh booker was trying to keep the action uh you know uh, to a slow pace I thought Booker was going to catch Franklin. He hurt him a couple of times in that fight, and Booker was landing uh, some great uh, uh, counter punches. And uh, Franklin was was kind of wild at times. I just think Booker ran out of gas and and couldn't focus. If he was in just a little better shape, and he could have uh, unleashed uh, uh, a couple of uh, multi punch combinations uh, at uh, several key spots during this fight. Uh, a couple of these rounds when he was, you know, landed and, and seemingly hurt Franklin with a beautiful counterpunch. Uh, if he was able to follow that up with a barrage of punches and not just, you know, pass out from exhaustion, I, I think he wins this fight. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Riddell Booker moves on from here. Uh, nonetheless, the way the judges scored it, 99-91 and 98-92 twice. I don't know if I can agree with those scores at all. 
Um, Franklin was throwing a lot of punches, but I got news for you. Booker was uh, avoiding a lot of them, or they weren't landing flush. And then when Booker landed punches, not only were they landing flush, they uh, were landing with some impact. So I don't know. Uh, again, uh, I think uh, it was an off night for judges uh, throughout uh, the boxing world. Um, also in the heavyweight division, Otto Wallen of uh, Sweden uh, fought um, Nick Kisner uh, in their uh, uh, heavyweight bout that was uh, uh, scheduled to go a lot longer than uh, it did. It was uh, ruled a uh, uh, no contest um, after Kisner suffered a cut uh, on his eye from an unintentional headbutt and said he couldn't see. Uh, followed that all the way to the corner uh, in round one. This was uh, during the very first round. And uh, t- the doctor's holding up fingers, and he's saying, uh, McCheeseburger? Uh, uh, the doctor holds up. How many fingers am I holding up? I think you got a cheeseburger in your hand. You know, he's saying some really stupid stuff. I, listen, I wasn't there, and I can't uh, speak for Kistner, but... You know, unless there was some damage done uh, to the eyeball itself, yes, there was a cut, but it was not. There was not blood streaming in his eye, and he wasn't even given his corner a chance to work on it. Um, I think that uh, uh, Kisner found a way out of a fight uh, with a guy that was going to beat the snot out of him. Not that Otto Wallen is is a killer by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that Kisner. Uh, just seems it doesn't seem like a fighter to me uh, at all. His, his brother fights. I mean, they. Um, he just you know anybody that goes into a fight with regular sneakers on, uh, you have to wonder how much uh, boxing they do. One of the first things you want to do when you start to uh, box, whether you're just going in to train or uh, whether you want to become an amateur or. Uh, you know, may, uh, do I do I do I even dare to say uh, turn into a professional? Uh, I think you know the first thing you buy is you buy yourself a pair of boxing shoes, man. You get yourself a pair of gloves. Um, you know, you may buy a, a, a crappy pair of uh, boxing shoes at first and and uh, evolve into something nice, but um, that's one of the first things you do. Uh, from all my years in this sport, and uh, you know, I'm pushing. Uh, uh, 30, uh, 34 years uh, involved in this sport. Um, the only guys that I've seen wear uh, regular running shoes or sneakers, if you will, uh, are fighters that uh, aren't really fighters, fighters that don't really train, uh, fighters that uh, needed some extra money. Uh, maybe they're tough guy, uh, street fighters, uh, you know, maybe coming out of jail type fighters. Uh, they're the ones with the sneakers, not uh, real uh, fighter. So I, 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 I don't know about Nick uh, Kisner. Nonetheless, 21 wins, four losses, one draw. Uh, six of his wins coming by knockout is how he walks out uh, with uh, uh, after that uh, fight. Um, Samuel Peter uh, was making a uh, 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 comeback. And, you know, they put him in easy. Uh, they put him in uh, against uh, Mario Harada, uh, and you know he was supposed to uh, uh, win this fight. Harada's uh, sixteen, well, was fifteen five and one, uh, had been two five and one going into this fight. 
uh, in his last uh, 10 fights, or I, I'm sorry, his last eight fights, um, you know, uh, winning two and losing five and getting a draw in one uh, in your last eight fights, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not so sure that uh, he should have won, but he did. He won a unanimous decision, 77-74, 76-75. One judge uh, had it 79-72 for Samuel Peter. Uh, not sure what this is going to do to his uh, uh, supposed comeback. 37 wins, 7 losses, 30 of his wins coming by knockout. He's still 38 years old, under 40. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think he should uh, uh, keep it hung up. Uh, in my opinion. But uh, anyway, that's what took place. We'll get some more um, thoughts on those fights when uh, Alex and uh, Dax come on in a little bit later. Uh, speaking of pronunciation, I did get an email from my mag, my man Greg, and he says, okay, Billy C., it's pronunciation time again. He said, Ryan Garcia's nickname is Kingry. Well, Kingry, okay? He says, take the name Ryan, not just renounce the first uh, row letter as if you're trying to say the name Ryan, so you know pronounce it like Rye, like Rye Bread. So the name, his nickname is, which is short for King Ryan, so it's pronounced King Rye, not Kingry. Uh, Billy, you are almost as bad as that major uh, mayor or governor in Boston. He's got you by a mile. Um, okay, so it's King Rye. I got gotcha. you. I got you, not King Ree. I see, I see. You know, I, I what do you think? You know, I, I say to people all the time, why do you think I call, why Why is it Billy C? I can't even pronounce my own last name. So uh, I appreciate uh, my man Greg uh, for helping me out there. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, um, I, uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the heavyweight division because there was a couple of heavyweight fights last night and I, I couldn't help but think, you know, how the division is um, with uh, with these a uh, couple of heavyweight fights that we saw. Um, you know, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin. As of this morning, that's what the computer punches out as the top five in the heavyweight division. I'm not so sure I could argue with that. Um, Jarrell Miller at number six, that I argue. Uh, Luis Ortiz at number seven. I could see him at number five. Um, uh, Cuba Puloff at number eight. I could see him uh, up. Um, Miller, I, I don't even think Miller's in, in the top ten legit, legitimately. I really don't. Joseph Parker's at number nine. I think he's a legit top ten. Uh, maybe even uh, he should be up uh, higher. Um, Dominic Brazil, who's fighting... Uh, Anthony Joshua, I'm sorry, Deontay Wilder coming up soon. He's at number 10. Adam Kowalski, he moved up a bit at number 11. Uh, then you got uh, Chisora at 13. Um, Andy Ruiz, who's fighting next weekend at number 19. Huey Fury uh, is number 24. Uh, Lucas Brown, number 26. Uh, Captain Huck, who uh, I haven't seen fighting heavyweight for a little bit, but he's, he's still in the top uh, Fifty at number thirty-one, uh, Carlos Takam, uh, he's at number twenty-nine. Brian Jennings, number twenty-seven. So, you know, Jermaine Franklin is at number forty-four, um, and Daniel Dubois is at number fifty. 
you know, I, I know Daniel Dubois is is on the rise, but but he clearly is above Jermaine uh, uh, Franklin. Uh, so I, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm a little uh, confused uh, with. Uh, you know, with the way the computer is, is starting to punch out. Like, their pound-for-pound guy is Canelo Alvarez. No disrespect to Canelo. Canelo's doing what uh, I'm glad uh, a lot of fighters— Oh, I, uh, let me rephrase that. Canelo's doing what I wish a lot of fighters would do and not seek out uh, the top uh, fighters. Now, he's not doing what most boxing fans want him to do, and that's fight Triple G immediately. Uh, but uh, he has taken on a, a very tough— uh, Danny Jacobs uh, in May, uh, and that's uh, d- doesn't justify him being pound for pound number one, because clearly uh, Vasily Lomachenko, uh, who won on Friday, and uh, you know, I, which is a fight I, I you know, I, I forgot to even mention to tell you the truth, but um, Vasily Lomachenko, I mean, he just looks like he's back to his old uh, self again. Um, dominating uh, in his fight, I you know I I think that um, as far as pound for pound number one, I think that uh, you could really make uh, an argument that it's Vasily Lomachenko, uh, or or um, you know clearly uh, uh, the other the other argument if, is fighting next weekend, and that's um, of course uh, Terence Crawford, but Vasily Lomachenko. Um, who uh, took care of Anthony uh, Kralla or uh, on uh, Friday night, uh, knocking him out. Uh, uh, you know, it's just when when you watch Lomachenko fight, uh, you know he, he's a pleasure to watch. I mean, it's that's the sweet science, boys and girls. If if you think that you know fighters and Terence Crawford too, Terence Crawford too, we're going to see him next week. But you know, when people say that Floyd Mayweather uh, displayed the sweet science. I laugh. If you want to see the sweet science in its true definition, you know, go rewatch the Lomachenko uh, Kralla fight from from Friday night. That is Loma uh, Vasily Lomachenko is uh, the sweet science. This is a guy that uh, you know is like a, a, a you're building a fire. You know, he starts off uh, like just you know moving along. Uh, uh, Timothy Bradley was saying it the best. He says he's he's accumulating data in the first round, uh, and then you'll see him uh, put the put the his foot on the gas, and he certainly did. Uh, man, I, you know one of the most enjoyable things about Vasily Lomachenko is the way he can avoid a punch by pivoting. And then be right there to land a punch. And oh, why? By the way, boys and girls, that's the definition of the sweet science. You know, uh, Floyd Mayweather was very successful in in making a lot of young fans forget the whole definition. You know, the definition that's always thrown in my face to say that you know uh, fighters like Floyd are uh, displaying the sweet science, and they say, you know, Billy, see, it's it's hit and not get hit. And, you know, a guy like Floyd, uh, he's so defensive. He's so great. You can't hit him. You know, and you, and you say to yourself, well, that's because he, he, he throws a punch and then he, he backpedals and runs. And you can't hit him because he's, you know, 10 feet away from you. But, but, the, but the key point here is that he can't hit you either. And the definition of the sweet science is hit and not get hit. How, and 
still be in position to inflict damage on your opponent. And that's exactly what Vasily Lomachenko does. He, you, he's right in front of you. You can't hit him. And he's counterpunching you as you're trying to throw punches. And guess what? Terrence Crawford does the same thing. He's able to do the same thing. And I'm looking forward uh, to Terrence Crawford against Amir Khan. I'm going to break that down and give you some uh, uh, of my opinions a little bit later in the show on that fight. And actually, next week, we got uh, a bunch of good fights to talk about. Terrence Crawford, Amir Khan, Danny Garcia against uh, Adrian Granados, uh, Andy Ruiz against Alexander Dimitrenko in the heavyweight division, a couple other heavyweight fights, Dave Allen against Lucas Brown, and Derek Chisora against uh, Sunid Gashi, uh, all uh, coming up uh, next week. Uh, it seems like, a, uh, with the exception of the Terrence Crawford fight, a, a heavyweight uh, weekend. But uh, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, uh, the definition of uh, the sweet science, in my opinion. And uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're scheduled to have Dax Khan on, and we'll see what he thinks. Vasily Lomachenko, the definition of the sweet science? Is it when you when you when you punch it up into the uh, dictionary? Do there's a there's a photo of Vasily Lomachenko and Terence Crawford appear? Because I got news for you, Terence Crawford uh, and Vasily Lomachenko on my pound for pound list, uh, they're tied for number one. I can't quite say who's number one. If I had to only have one, the only reason why I would put Vasily Lomachenko at number one is because he fought last night. So he's got the more recent win. But I can't. I think they're up there. Uh, we'll have to wait to see uh, if Terrence Crawford lost a step against Amir Khan next week. I just don't think so. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy She Show. Billy She Show. <laughs> the Billy C Show. And uh, joining us right now, despite him, uh, you know, trying to show my age, he's calling me like a Matt Dillon from Gunsmoke, okay? He thinks Kitty's going to be the next guest coming on. But uh, joining me right now is my man, uh, Dax Con. That was kind of mean, man. I mean, come on, man. You didn't even give me a chance to start with you first. Calm down there, Festus. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was funny, I got to admit. But uh, anyway, let's start off with the uh, uh, first fight that I want to talk about from Friday night, Vasily Lomachenko. Um, I was saying before uh, break, to me, and, and I know you and I have talked about this many times, but to me, I love watching this guy. And, and, and if every fought, fighter fought like him in terms of, oh, I, I, I've, I'm, the sweet, I'm an example of the sweet science. Boxing would be so entertaining. I mean, I, you know, granted, he, he was fighting who he was fighting, but uh, I, I loved what I saw. What was your thoughts on the fight? Well, first, he was fighting who he was fighting. Make, make no mistake, Anthony Crowa is a, he's a world-class fighter. You know, people forget he's a former multiple-time world champion. 
Um, you know, he had some great fights with Jorge Linares when Jorge Linares was at his peak. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, Vasil Lomachenko, he just does everything well. There's nothing that he doesn't do well. If anything, Vasil Lomachenko lacks punch, and not so much that he lacks punching power, but because he doesn't concentrate on just knocking guys out. You know, he concentrates on his footwork. He concentrates on being hit, not uh, getting hit. He concentrates on the combinations, the angles. You know, so the, you know that all together. When when you see that thrown in as you know one complete package, yes, it's it's very impressive, and Lomachenko does all that well. You know, it was funny that leading up to the fight, he kept saying. I'm having a hard time getting up for this fight, meaning, you know, he had, was having a hard time, you know, finding himself be, being enthused to perform in against an opponent like Anthony Crowa. If that is not getting up for your, for the fight, if that opponent doesn't get you excited, I hate to see what happens when, you know, his opponents do get him excited, as we've seen in the past. One last thing about Lomachenko. What a lot of people don't notice, and it's very subtle, just like his skills and his abilities and the things he does, he kind of has this mean streak in him, and he's a master at mind games if you really pay attention to the way he goes about things. He never comes out of his mouth and says anything quite rude. He never comes out and says uh, his intentions, but he, but he, he always hints towards them, and he, and he pulls them off out into the ring, and I think him saying that he couldn't get himself up for an Anthony Corolla, I think that was a mind game and more or less a message to these other guys like a Mikey Garcia and a Javante Davis that you know what I want you guys without actually calling them out and you know um, you know falling into that trap you know Dax you you you, you say something that really solidifies my opinion of why I think Vasily Lomachenko and Terrence Crawford are so alike in, in a sense, because TC does the same exact stuff. He's a guy that that is very respectable outside of the ring, uh, at least talking uh, during interviews and stuff like that. Every I've never seen him non-respectable unless you uh, you know are watching him in the ring. And he too has a mean streak that comes out. And and when and I know you agree. When we're talking about mean streak, we're not just talking about somebody that just lets their hands go. We're talking about somebody that mentally has a switch that can go in with that seek and destroy. I don't care who is in front of me. I'm taking you out. And that's what I think Vasily Lomachenko and Terrence Crawford both possess. What's your thoughts? Well, and what also separates them from a lot of other guys and also, in my opinion, hurts them in a marketability standpoint is the fact that they do that when they're fighting. They do that the night of the fight. When it's in the ring, it gets turned on. When the fight is over, it gets turned off. That's their job. That's their trade. That's their profession. It's not an act. That's who they are. And we don't see a lot of that in boxing anymore. I know um, Coach, who might be in the chat room tonight, he might not, where he uh, always stresses that you know boxing is more WWE than it is substance with a lot of these guys, and he's absolutely correct. And with Terrence Crawford and Vasil Lomachenko, there is no antics; it's all substance. Right. They let their they let their uh, you know actions speak for themselves inside the ring, right? And yes, and Terrence Crawford has been very vocal, in fact, in stating he will not go out there and take himself out of character and do things to impress others or because a promoter wants him to. He, he's nobody's puppet and he's not on a string. I think we spoke about that last week or the week before. So he's very true to himself. He's not going to be told you have to act like this or perform like this. It's what happens in the ring 
and what happens out of the ring is totally different. Same with Vasil Lomachenko, and that's what separates them. And again, it hurts them in a markability standpoint with today's crowd. If this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it'd be a total different story. Nobody would even be thinking about anything but what takes place between in the ring, in the ropes, and outside the ropes. You know, the funny thing is, is that um, I, I think, and I'm sure people are going to disagree with me here, but I think that the biggest problem for both those fighters, and again, you, you, you triggered something in my, in my aging mind, uh, Matt. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, the thing is, is when you look at these two fighters, both under the, the uh, tutelage and, and promotional banner of, of top rank, you know what, Dax? I think that Bob Arum, now I'm not saying he did it purposely, but I think that Bob Arum and his path that he chose, especially for Terrence Crawford, uh, Lomachenko, uh, you know, has, has uh, I guess, I don't know. It's very similar for both of them. I don't think they've been given a chance to build up to become that marquee fighter like, like say, a Canelo Alvarez has. You know, if you recall, TC was put on a pay-per-view early on. Uh, Lomachenko was uh, in a title fight uh, early on. And I think it lost some of their marketability that you mentioned. Today, the thing that keeps both of them in the discussion is because of how good they are. And they're only known by the diehard boxing fan, the casual fan who knows who Canelo Alvarez is, doesn't know these guys. And that's where I think the problem lies. And again, a lot of that has to do with the error that we're in and Bob Arum's age you know, is a valid point. Bob Arum is an old school type promoter and he hasn't really switched and evolved, you know, to adapt to this generation. You know, Bob Arum is doing exactly what he did in the 80s, 90s, 70s that he's doing now. He's very successful at it. He's creating a lot of uh, quality cards. He has a lot of great fighters. But in terms of marketing or, or doing what these younger fans want and putting on the type of antics that they want. Bob Arum doesn't uh, go out of his way to do that, and neither do any of his fighters. And so that's the difference. And if um, Don King, if he was still in the game, more or less, I think we'd see the same thing with Don King. He would do his job as the promoter. Bob Arum does his job as the promoter, and the fighters do the fighting. But, you know, today we don't have enough promote. You say it yourself, enough promoters promoting. And so the fighters are promoting themselves, and they don't know how to promote themselves. And that's why we have these foolish antics all the time. Yeah, shock factors, all they know. But the young fans love it. They eat it up. They love it. You know, it's a YouTube world, as they say. No, you're right. Some other fights let's chat about. Uh, I, I don't know if you got to see it, the Jaime uh, Mugaya fight uh, against uh, Dennis Hogan. I, I don't know, man. I mean, Mugaya was, was, was the aggressor, but I, I thought Hogan squeaked out that fight. I, not even squeak. I, I, I thought he won. Even trying to give Mugaya um, rounds, I, I still scored at 115-113 uh, for Hogan. Uh, Mugaya... I just don't think he's getting better, Dax. I think we see the same guy, and, and I'm not sure he's ever going to get better. I think they're just getting him ready to feed him to uh, either Daniel Jacobs or, or Canelo Alvarez down the road. You know, you know, leading up to this, a lot of people are saying, you know, who is Dennis Hogan? And myself, the only time I remember him is a loss to uh, Jack Colke on, um, I think, an undercard of an old Rob Brandt fight. And I think he fought... Uh, uh, Tyrone Brunson one time, you know, really other than that, I, I could not, I had to actually box rack him, uh, but you know, he did have that minor uh, 
WBO title, which is what placed him in line for this. And you're absolutely right. I think that Dennis Hogan won that fight last night. You know, Jaime Mungaya, he really, prior to the Saddam Ali fight, without looking him up, nobody out there, you know, can really say, oh, I remember him from this fight. I remember him from that fight, you know. And when he came out there, he won that title. I think that his uh, team kind of rushed themselves. They jumped ahead. They all of a sudden thought they had another Canelo or as I was talking with somebody last night, you know, perhaps maybe more of a uh, Fernando Vargas type fighter that was going to go in there, use his size and his um, his pressure to dominate a division, except he doesn't have those basic fundamentals because up until the Saddam Ali fight and since the Saddam Ali fight, they haven't raised that level of competition and kind of rounded out the level of competition that's going to allow him to learn how to cut off the ring and allow him to deal with uh, different types of situation and different types of fighters. So until he does that, He's going to have to leave the 154-pound division soon. He's obviously outgrown it. The good news for him is he's 22 years old. He does have time to develop. But again, with his style, with that lack defense, and that really packed uh, middleweight division, that is not a division you want to grow in in terms of skill-wise, especially when there's all those top fighters in there and you're going to be fighting at that top level. Your career can end up very short. Rather than a Fernando Vargas, you can end up like uh, uh, Franjico uh, Bajado. You know uh, Francisco Bajado. I loved him. Yeah, yeah you're. He's a. You know what? That's a great. That's a great example. Um, that's a great example, Dax. You know, some. You know, sometimes you actually come out with good, some good stuff, man, and not just your comedian things. You know, but uh, no, but I, I, I agree with you. Um, except, and I, I agree with you about Mugaya. Uh, you know, having a hard time making a weight and everything. I agree with your your uh, breakdown of of his skill set or lack of, but I don't think that's something. I think he's. I know he's young, but you think that he could learn to keep his hands up? Do you think he can? Somebody could teach him how to deliver a punch faster. I mean, th those are the two uh, elements of his game that um, that I think are going to fail him at, at the bigger weights or even at the upper levels of his own weight class. You know, I just don't see his power being able to, to handle it um, because of his chin. I, I just think he's going to take too many punches. I, I, I shouldn't say ha his power handle. I mean him relying on his power. You know, it's almost, it's almost like Deontay Wilder-esque. Uh, he's, uh, he's got punch and power, and, and he's just relying on himself to withstand what his opponent can dish out and then him land the, the KO punch. It didn't happen last night. He doesn't really have brutal punching power. It's that nonstop pressure. Um, what he needs to develop on top of that footwork and learning how to cut the ring off, he needs to develop himself a signature punch, you know, meaning that one punch that when it lands is usually a fight ender because he does have power, except he really doesn't sit down on his punches. You know, Canel, you say, can he develop Canelo Alvarez? Um, when he entered the sport and he became known, you know, here in the United States, he was a more polished fighter. But since then, look how much he has developed. And Mugaya is 22 years old. Yes, of course he can develop into a more complete fighter. He just needs to have the right people behind him willing to help him develop into a more complete fighter. Look at the Canelo today compared to the Canelo five or six years ago. A totally different fighter. Yeah, but his biggest weakness is still there today um, with the way he's got to, uh, you know, almost plant his feet before he lets go uh you know power punches he still wins and don't and i'm and i'm with you he's gotten better and he's an elite fighter there's no question about it uh but uh in any event speaking of elite uh clarissa shields uh made no mistake proving that she was the best middleweight in the world uh when the female ranks by beating uh christina hammer 
uh, last night uh, in a total uh, dominating fashion. What was your thoughts on that fight? Well, she has definitely, well, at least last night, she definitely showed a lot of improvements in being composed in there. She didn't swing wild. Uh, there was a few times where she let it get away from herself. Even though she was dominating so much, it didn't matter. Christina Hammer, of course, um, she's a longtime world champion, but very basic European fighter. Um, the, that one-two is what she relied on, and if she was able to keep that jab going and pumping, it might have been a different fight, though Christina Hammer doesn't really have any power behind her. Um, you know, the future for Clarissa Shields, if she continues to improve that way, is going to be bright. The down things on Clarissa Shields is she needs to, one, separate herself from Andre Durrell, who seems to be attached to her by the hip. I don't know why. Maybe because that's the closest he's ever going to get to a world title is carrying one of hers to the car. Um, Clarissa Shields needs to change her behavior. She needs to stop going dating back to the uh, Andre Durrell and Jose Uzukatui fight where she was seen pointing and laughing when Leon Lawson sucker punched Uzukatui. Uh, she needs to stop spitting at uh, uh, media members. She needs to stop cursing all the time. The night before the fight, she was up at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning on Twitter because I was on there. She was telling fans to shut up. She was insulting fans because they said, you know, keep your hands up, stay composed, telling them you don't need to tell me how to fight. Um, somebody needs to tell her, you know, uh, teach her how to talk. And I don't want to hear, well, that's not, you know, uh, taking herself out of her character. You know what? Female boxing right now is on the rise. It's on a surge. A few years ago, when you heard me speak about Clarissa Shields, I said, you know, she very well could be the face of female boxing worldwide. Boxing itself has changed since then with all these streaming platforms. Now it's a global sport, once again, with a global audience. A global audience doesn't want to see somebody acting like that continuously when it comes to the sponsorship money, when it comes to um, other networks and these streaming platforms having her on there. She's going to find herself coming up on the short end of the stick because you have people out there like Katie Taylor, um, Amanda Serrano, and so on. I don't know uh, why the other day or last week, for some reason, for time she said she was going to make history last night she did in a way being the uh, first unified female middleweight champion but she stated that she was the first female unified middleweight cha uh, female unified female champion in boxing history period she also said that she was going to have the most belts in boxing period and it's you know listen I don't know you called out Cecilia Brackhouse last night, who was the first unified champion, and Amanda Serrano has won titles in more divisions than you have had fights. So she really needs to have her overall, um, uh, her attitude change. She's not even the same person that she was a year ago when she was on the Nickelodeon Kid Choice Awards. She's not the same girl she was down at the Women Boxing Hall of Fame when she sat on there uh, with you. She's not the same person that I met over at the um, International Boxing Hall of Fame, and her act is going to get uh, tired real quick and when she, all said and done and everybody else is gone she's going to look back and say to herself why did I follow the wrong people <laughs> a lot of fighters do that hey did you hear the rumor I heard that uh, speaking of Amanda Serrano that she's going to be fighting Heather Hardy that you know not really a rumor I think you know for years we knew that was going to happen both of them are from um, you know the city they actually know each other they support each other uh, uh, they're in the same division it's a huge fight so no it's not really a surprise to me and my actually I honestly thought it was a matter of when now that Heather Hardy has that featherweight title is you know obviously the right time but um, a huge fight 
for um, Heather Hardy, I mean, uh, for Amanda Serrano, would be that Katie Taylor fight, and that would be a pay-per-view that would uh, sell very well because Amanda Serrano has a huge Puerto Rican fan, uh, fan base, a huge fan base, period, as does Katie Taylor, and that would actually be a mega fight, and both of those would, um, you know, make seven figures, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I uh, I think it's a big fight. I've uh, totally grown to love Heather Hardy and the heart that she uh, displays, and you can't deny uh, Amanda Serrano's uh, skill set. I've had the luxury of calling a couple of her fights, so I'm looking forward to that uh, fight. Speaking and of, like I said, and like I said, just kind of, I don't want to hear from anybody later on telling me, oh well. I have something against Clar- I have nothing against Clarissa Shields. I like her. I just see her going down the wrong path, just like we've mentioned with uh, Errol Spence at times. You know, just you know, get back to the path that you were on, and she will be the face of boxing. You know, at this stage, she's not going to. She's going to end up like a Darrell. No, you're you're listen. Everything you've said, I didn't disagree one one bit. And the truth sometimes hurts, and people have to look at it. And it's obvious uh, to me. Uh, that she has gone down the wrong road, and and for being such a sweet, like, like I I met her personally, and she was a sweetheart, and um you know you're 100 percent correct. She has chosen to hang around with uh, uh, people that uh, don't do the right thing all the time, and and their past speaks volumes, and it's always it's always I've always wondered why fighters choose to do that. What what gravitates them towards negativity when there's so much success with positivity but uh anyway i guess the the squeaky wheel uh gets people to uh listen but uh yeah uh, you know what these other guys in the past bill that have done it already had that big money behind them before they started doing that floyd mayweather had a lot of money before he started doing that uh mike tyson the same thing muhammad ali had already had investors and and um and so on and so forth before he started screaming and shouting how I am the greatest. You know, it's different. You know, again, a lot of that has to do with the fighters having to promote themselves, and you're not promoters, you're fighters. Yeah, but wait a minute. Muhammad Ali, you see, there's a big You see, I, I don't, I think that fighters today try to copy Ali's approach to promotion and, and all of that. But the big difference, and the reason why I, I, I would never really look at what Muhammad Ali did as negative, even though I did at the time. Um, You know, the truth of the matter is, is he backed up all the shenanigans, Dax. Half these guys uh, and girls, whatever, the women fighters um, that, you know, talk smack, they don't even attempt to to back it up. Ali did. You know, that's the big difference. And, and you know, if somebody's going to, it's not that I'm against smack talk. By no way. It's when somebody says, oh, I'm going to go for the nugget, I'm going to do this, blah, 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 and then they run, and they hide, and they do this, they do that. You know, that's the difference, in my opinion. Sometimes, you know, you need a little bit of, um, sometimes you need to be humbled. Um, you know, last night, I thought Charlo sounded great on that mic. Did you hear him last night as, as a broadcaster? No. Yeah, I, you know, he sounded he was sounded so relaxed, so calm. He um he actually did a great job, and that was coming off that poor performance against Matt Korobov, and of course after he, uh, his brother lost the title to Tony Harrison, you know, so maybe um you know a little bit of a uh, uh, humility changes you back into uh you know ground you a little bit, and that's what some fighters need at times. Um, one question I want to ask you is. Did you notice that there were a lot of fights that ended on a uh, no contest due to vicious cuts? Oh, I, I didn't like 
I, I tell you the one that I really didn't like was the was the uh, Kisner fight, the one where Kisner was fighting Otto Wallen uh, out of Sweden on the undercard of the Clarissa Shields Christina Hammer fight. I I can't see. I can't see. I, like I said earlier, Dax, unless. You know, there was a, a, something I couldn't see that he got, you know, eyeball damage. The cut wasn't even bleeding that bad, and it was on the side of his eye. It wasn't even going into his eye. I, I think he tried to to uh, to get out of the fight as far as the uh, other one uh, with uh, uh, the other one was on the the fight with uh, Peter yeah, yeah. P- Peter, yeah, Quinlan. Peter Quinlan. Yeah, Peter Quinlan and Caleb Trow. Yeah, that's another one. That was more... You know that was more legit, you know, but uh, but definitely the Diego De La Hoya and and uh, Enrique uh, Bernach fight. I mean, that was a vicious cut. Uh, De La Hoya came in with his head and uh, caught Enrique, and the doctor couldn't even get it to stop. I mean, literally, the doctor had to walk him from the center of the ring with his hand pinching that cut closed. That that was vicious. I don't know if you know what are the odds that three fights on three separate cards were going to end like that. No, I, yeah. a, a main event, a co-main event, and um, an under, you know, one of the um, two uh, uh, co-main under uh, undercard uh, fights. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. No, it was, uh, uh, it was, it was quite weird. It was definitely quite weird. Hey, we're gonna let you uh, go, but before we do, Dax, I just want to get your thoughts uh, and predictions on a couple of the big fights for next week. Of course, we'll start off with Terence Crawford against Amir Khan. Uh, how do you see the fight going, and who's going to win? I see as most Crawford fights go early on, he's going to take those first couple of rounds to figure out his opponent. And once he does, he's going to go into Crawford mode. He's going to start out as a um, fighting orthodox, and then he's going to switch over to southpaw. And whenever he does that, that always seems to be the downfall for all his opponents. Amir Khan, as usual, He's going to come out. He's going to be very competitive early on. But Amir Khan, despite all his talent and his speed, and we won't even say his chin, he seems to lose focus after six rounds. But um, against Terrence Crawford, I think it's going to happen a whole lot sooner, especially because Terrence Crawford and Vasyl Lomachenko, as we stated before, are the number one and number two guys in the sport. They're not going to fight each other. They are under the same promoter, and there's more or less that rivalry on which of us is really number one. And right now it all depends on whoever looks the most sensational in that fight where they're switching back and forth. So right now, Vasyl Lomachenko is most likely looked at number one when Terrence Crawford fights Amir Khan. Depending how dominant he is, he's going to want to dominate Amir Khan and look sensational, and he's going to want to jump back into that number one spot. And I think that's what we're going to see next week, and I think we're going to see Amir Khan viciously KO'd. A couple of heavyweight fights that um, could, uh, you know, victories by by uh, these guys could get them in the mix. First, uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. going up against Alexander Dimitrenko. How do you, how do you see that one going? I think uh, Ruiz Jr., you know, Andy Ruiz Jr. is a very underestimated uh, fighter. He always has been. I actually thought he beat Joseph Parker, and I think he got shorted in that fight. Yeah, he took some time off, and um, Alexander is way past his best. Even though he's a lot bigger, he's not as active, and Andy Ruiz Jr. is a better boxer. So I think Andy Ruiz Jr. is going to win that one, and hopefully he stays active and he gets back into the mix. David Allen against Lucas Brown. Lucas Brown trying to save his uh uh, career at 40 years old. And Dimitrenko has been around so long. He's, uh, he's not even that old. It shocked me. But uh, uh, wh- who, who do you like with David Allen and Brown? 
Who knows? You're about saving careers. David Allen needs to save his career, too. I know. Um, You're right. You're right. Yeah, I, You're right. I, now, what's Lucas Brown really having a gas tank? Lucas Brown is a very basic fighter. His whole career has relied on the fact that he's he's very strong. But I think he's 40 years old now, isn't he? he? He might even be past 40 years old. So, you know, David Allen, if he uses his youth and he boxes and he doesn't let Lucas Brown come in close, I'm going to have to say David Allen. But if he doesn't, then we have to say Lucas Brown. It's... So one of those two guys should win the fight, right? One of the the two should win, and one of the two should be, you know, uh, the victim of one of the top heavyweights after. And one last last fight I want to get your thoughts on. Derek Chisora, uh, the guy that he's got more lives in the sport of boxing than Freddy Krueger had on uh, 13th Street. Uh, Sunid Gashi is who he's going up against. How do you you see that fight going? I think Derek Chisora is going to win that one. Derek Chisora is the guy that, Whenever you count them out, he does great. So I think, you know, Derek Chisora is uh, going to uh, win that one. Derek Chisora, if he was a little bit bigger, if Derek Chisora, if he was a little bit more composed, I think his career would be a little bit further off than it is right now. But, you know, he's not a top five fighter or top ten fighter, but he's certainly not a guy you want to dismiss at all. No, I agree. All right, Dax, appreciate your time, and uh, we'll look forward to you next weekend, brother. All right, last thing's that did. Did you watch the zone card last night? The zone card? Yeah, I did. I did. Did, 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 you, did, did you catch Oscar De La Hoya? And he didn't really um seem to be saying it just to try and kind of sell that when he said uh, he thought that uh, Canelo and Daniel Jacobs might be a 50-50 fight. He said that. I, I heard him say that, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is a 50-50 fight. I think it is a 50-50 fight. To be honest, you know, it, 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 you know, I, no, I'm not disrespecting either fighter, and I'm not going to say that Canelo is oodles ab, uh, above Daniel Jacobs because Daniel Jacobs has proven that you know he he has come along. I I don't know. I you know it's a couple weeks off, but I I I do think that's a fifty fifty fight. I I, I really I, I'm giving yeah, Daniel Jacobs yeah. more of a chance than people are apparently are. No, I, I just didn't know if uh, you, had, you caught that or anybody else had happened to catch it out there. But, you know, like Bob Arum, you know, with, with Oscar, you got to say, you know, well, I was doing cocaine last week, but I'm not doing cocaine this week. <laughs> you know, you never know what's coming out coming out with Oscar's mouth because it was just two weeks ago when he did say if Andre Ward wanted to come out of retirement and call Canelo out, Canelo would uh, beat him as well. So you never know what's going to come out of Oscar's mouth. Oscar is a promoter, and he's making some smart moves by – you know, if you think about and look back, he, he, you know, we all thought that he was on the decline because his stable started shrinking. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is some of the deals that he's made with the networks, we're starting to see a lot of his fighters uh, all over the place. And I think that uh, he's he's making some smart moves where some no, of these I- some of these other promoters are staying fixed. Like the PBC is just dying a slow death right now. I mean, no, their I- their their lack of uh, willingness to work. Uh, with these big networks that are taken over, and you said yourself, like the uh, you know the Zone and and uh, ESPN t- uh, Plus, etc. Um, PBC is not gonna, they're not gonna withstand it. They're not. No, like uh, what I was about to say, the smartest thing that Oscar did, and I think a lot of people caught on with that, especially after the breakup of Richard Schaefer, is Oscar De La Hoya said, you know what, I'm gonna start working with these promoters that we weren't working with. A year beforehand, memory started uh, putting on events with top-ranked boxing and so on. And, you know, he realizes, you know what, you can't build 
your promotion company and you're not going to make your fighters in your stable, especially if you have a high, high amount of fighters, into these megastars by just putting them against each other. You need other fighters from other other uh, promotional companies. Now, Oscar's done that, and that's why he has stayed in the sport and his company didn't fold when uh, separation with Richard Schaefer and most of his fighters started abandoning him. So, you know, it, you have to give him credit for that much. I just like to make fun of him, but, you know, Oscar, as a fighter and as a promoter, he's one of my favorite guys. Dax, we'll check you next week, brother. All right, everybody, enjoy the week. That's Dax Gone. You can check him out uh, up on the website, billycboxing.com. Listen, before I take a break, uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to my man, uh, Gonzalo, uh, in the uh, chat room over on YouTube. Uh, he's got us uh, a super chat. He wants to know uh, what we think about Teofimo Lopez claiming he's the money fighter and that he can beat Lomachenko. Uh, but that he really doesn't need him either. Um, you know what I think of that? I, I, I think that that is coming from a guy that just doesn't know. Teofimo Lopez is a young fighter. He's got a lot ahead of him. Uh, you know, he he definitely needs a big fighter um, to beat. He's not ready for Lomachenko. Lomachenko, you know, the, the, the problem with these young fighters today is the path that most of them take. And it's not really the fighter's fault. They get coddled. They get hand-fed cupcake after cupcake. And in today's world of boxing, because of the sanctioning bodies and because of the breakup that they have, you, you basically, as a fighter, align yourself with one of the sanctioning bodies and you climb their rankings for your opportunities. Well, most of them, as long as you stay busy, will move you up in the rankings. Uh, so what you have is you have a fighter in his mind, working out, working at the gym, listening to his team, and his team is getting him cupcake after cupcake, and he's winning and winning, he starts to believe the own, his own press clipping, so to speak. And, you know, what happens is he, he, he takes on, especially with youth, he takes on a sense of invincibility. And that starts to blur the vision. This is a problem because it also prevents the, the development of a fighter. And we're talking about Jaime Mugaya earlier, and this very well, uh, not to, to, to the bold uh, point that uh, my man Gazzalo is, is uh, uh, making uh, in the chat room, uh, but you know, a guy that relies on one thing that's been successful uh, thinks that that's all he needs. You can make the argument for Deontay Wilder as well. So I think Lopez needs to uh, progressively increase his level of opposition a little more, uh, get some fan following a little more than what he's got before he could uh, uh, make those uh, statements. So uh, I, I appreciate uh, uh, Gonzalo uh, with that. And if you're interested in a T-shirt, uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G. I'm referring to Gonzalo right there. So, hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Alex uh, Papali, so uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans, check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters, track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com and tell them Billy C sent you. 
the one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. We want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Hey, don't forget about our 24 hour, seven day a week television network that's right you can catch uh, replays of this show as well as all the other events we've done uh, over the 15 plus years we've been doing this show just go to uh well it's on roku and other major uh, streaming services but the easiest thing to do is uh, go to ginicousa.com g-i-n-i-k-o-u-s-a.com sign up for free and uh, start checking out some of the uh, other stuff that you may not know that we've done Joining us right now, and all I could say is, yeah, it's happening, Alex. It happens to all of us. Our hair starts to go, and, you know, um, it just uh, it just happens. And it's, it's a shocking thing that you, you always say to yourself, no, that couldn't happen to me. I'm not going to be a George Costanza. No way. And, then all, and, and I'll tell you this, my man. The first time I realized it was w- with me, was with when I was with you. You and I were doing a uh, uh, an event in Florida, and I was watching some of the replays, and I was like, "Hey, uh, uh, you know," and the cameras like was behind us. Uh, we were down doing that outdoor event in, in Florida, and uh, I'm like, I, I said to the producer, "Who who who's that bald guy over there?" <laughs> Because what are you talking about? That's you. And I was like, oh, no, from the camera, from the other angle. I never knew it. You know, it was, it's it is shocking. I, I can't help but notice that you're noticing yourself. huh? Yeah. And it's strange. My uh, it's a point now. This this bald spot here, the the longer my hair gets, the more noticeable it is. It's this strange catch 22 that. If I make if I keep my hair short, you don't see it because my hair sticks up and it, you know, hey, 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 listen, you don't think I figured that out? Look at my (laughs) hair. And what's even worse with me is on the camera. It it looks like I have this little teeny piece right here, you know, and it's like, you know, but the the headset makes it look even worse, you know, so it is a little more uniform, but I'm I'm. uh, I'm a few years ahead of you in baldness, my man. But uh, hey, before we before we get going with some of the other uh, fights, um, I, I I wanted to uh, know what's your thoughts. You know, I I got a, uh, uh, a a super chat from from my man in the in the chat room uh, asking about uh, uh, Teofimo Lopez, and I see that coach is saying that uh, uh, Top Rank is putting him on a pay per view. 
Um, I believe he meant that he, he was a heavy uh, main event. That's a mistake. They, they did the same thing to Terrence Crawford, and I think that putting a young fighter on a pay-per-view too soon, like before they could be a success at it, kind of hurts their markability. We were discussing just total overall markability before with Dax. What, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I would think that they would have to be very careful of when they demand extra money from from a boxing fan, whether they be, uh, you know, a diehard like like yourself or the ones you despise, those those you know just uh, you know casual fan. The casual. Yeah. Oh, uh, I know your the hair. What's little left on your head stands up when I say casual boxing fan. Right? <laughs> That's right. They're all like serpents. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I tell you, I I'm pretty sure. I thought I just saw him. I think he's on the undercard of uh Khan versus Crawford this weekend which I think that's a good idea to put him on the undercard of a pay-per-view like that you're right but he has no business headlining a pay-per-view at this point um I like what he said about Lomachenko I think he's kidding only himself um but you want to hear that out of a young undefeated knockout artist you want them to be bold you want them to act like they could go into the uh you know, the dinosaur graveyard and fight the biggest dinosaur. Um, you know, uh, I think that uh, that's cool that he sounds like that. But um, I think he's he's nuts uh, at this point. Um, Lomachenko is a monster. Uh, he's uh, he's absolutely amazing. And I mean, granted, even though it, Good Friday is next week, this that was a crucifixion the other night. Um I, but I, he, he just, he's absolutely masterful. And now, I mean, they kept talking about it. So it, 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 just in case you might forget, he once had a shoulder injury and he certainly looks 100% since then. But yeah, I mean, the idea that a, a kid who's 8-0 is going to mess with that, I mean, come on. He's the definition. Vasily Lomachenko and Terrence Crawford, in my opinion, are the definitions of the sweet science. They're standing in front of you. You can't hit them. They're hitting you. It, it breaks you down mentally. Uh, they, they were making a point with the Anthony Crawler fight the other night. Uh, you know, he, he was mentally broken down before uh, he was physically broken down. And make no mistake, he was physically broken down too. And I thought it was interesting to hear, I, I think it was Dre, you know, Dre Ward, I, I think he said, I think he said Dre. that, uh, yeah, now he's Dre. He's Dre Ward. It used to be Andre, but now he's Dre. I don't know why they, they changed that because the first time they referred to him as Dre, he, I think he, he, yeah, he, he was look looking, yeah, he was looking around wondering if there was somebody else as part of the broadcast, but, but whatever, okay? But, but the truth of the matter is, is that he said it best. He said, you know, most people tell you to go to the body, then to the head. He says he goes to the head then to the body, then to the head. And he says, what I mean is he breaks his opponents down mentally. And I agree with him. Um, when you can't hit a guy that's just slapping you silly and you're, and you're, getting, you're getting shots coming in from Manny Pacquiao angles, it's got to be discouraging. Oh, that, that, yeah. And that's, uh, that anxiety uh, level must be so high. Yeah, um, it, it is, you know, um, Fear, uh, one of the acronyms for fear is false evidence appearing real. And that is one of those things in that first round. You couldn't help but think, I mean, uh, Lomachenko was so close to him. That's the thing that with that footwork, his footwork is r ridiculous. 
he is so close to you, you hesitate because you don't. Crollo was like this, completely defensive for at least two minutes, two and a half minutes of the first round. He was terrified to let anything go. He's so close on you that, boom, he's going to smack you. Um, so, yeah, that level of pressure is, uh, is it's a lot on a guy. And so not only are you trying to move to keep away from him, but also you're looking for your punching opportunities, knowing damn well as soon as you go to punch, he's going to hit you in the opening you create. So, yeah, the level of anxiety that he puts on a fighter is incredible. Um, you know, the thing about it, yes, yeah, sure, he's the sweet science, but everybody's style is different. And his style, he, there's nothing about him that, you know, is a defensive guy. He is all offense. Um, I mean, he is right there creating punching opportunities. He doesn't let you breathe. Um, it's amazing. And uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to see uh, Terrence Crawford try to to challenge him in terms of, um, you know, knockout of the month this week. You know, what What I love the most about Lomachenko, and I, and I agree with everything. I mean, I, you know, I love the story. I love the father. I love the relationship. I love the approach. I love the comments. I love the, 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 the fact that, you know, he's so confident. You know, there's just, there's nothing not to love about Lomachenko. And it was funny to hear people criticize his last performance uh, because, you know, he's coming off the shoulder uh, surgery, etc. But my favorite thing he does, and I honestly don't recall anyone doing it as well as he does, or even as fl fluently as he does, and that is being able to uh, pivot on his foot uh, while he's avoiding a punch from his opponent and pivot around. Now, most fighters can pivot and get out of harm's way, but they continue on, sort of, sort of like... You know, in mathematics, a line continuing on forever. You know, I mean, he, he pivots on his foot and most fighters continue moving out of harm's way. He pivots and instead of getting away from you, he's in another spot and he's landing shots on, you know, as a, as a fighter that's, that's in that ring with this guy. I, when he pulls that on you as flawlessly and as fluently as he does and he's landing other shots and, and they're not little you know pitter pat punches they're significant landing flush punches that's got to make you say oh my god what what's what's coming next you know i mean i i don't know i think mentally this is why this man uh has had so many fighters quit on their stool um because they just figure that they don't have a chance why take the beating yeah i mean it must seem preternatural because it's like you're fighting a mist full of punches because at one point it's there, and then seconds later, it's not even seconds, it's there. Uh, and yeah, how do you do that? Um, there's a line in a U2 song, uh, when love comes to town, uh, I was a fighter, I could turn on a thread. And that's what great fighters can do, can make those angles, create angles by turning and you know creating a new lane of attack against an opponent. And yeah, he's amazing at that. Um, he, uh, you know, it just makes me wish that, um, you know, we did get to see the Mikey Garcia fight. Hopefully, we maybe we still will. Because, um, yeah, you want a guy like that to have a good dance partner. And, um, you know, all credit to Anthony Crolla. He tried. But, um, you know, 
everyone everyone who steps in that ring deserves our respect but come on there's levels here and it's just there's very few people that are on Lomachenko's level hey listen uh, you know the old Abbott Costello you know trying when when they hold in the glove on the hand and you swing it aimlessly they tried too but uh, never hit the guy but uh, <laughs> hey I just want to say this there's a heated discussion going on in the uh, YouTube chat room right now about pound for pound and I, I just want to say this the definition of pound-for-pound pound fighter, okay, at least the way I view it. Maybe I'm wrong, and that could be a possibility, but, you know, uh, maybe. But pound-for-pound uh, pound was developed during the Sugar Ray Robinson era. The reason is because at that time we only had one world, and we only had one world champion in each weight class. And the main world champion during that era was the heavyweight world champion. If you were the heavyweight world champion, you were the baddest man on the planet. End of story. There was no discussion. There was no excuses. There was no woulda, coulda, shouldas. There was no one else except the number one contender who was vying to get a shot at that world champion. And oh, by the way, there were only 10 top contenders too. But that's a whole nother story. So they decided, hey, this guy is the greatest fighter of all time. We got to give him some kind of title. We got to give him something that people will recognize. And obviously he had titles, but uh, just world recognition. So they came up with the pound for pound. Now fast forward it to the year 2019. The definition of pound for pound is still the same. It's an imaginary title. But the, the way it works, at least in my opinion, and Alex, I'm curious to hear yours as soon as, as soon as I take a breath. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's to take, it excludes the heavyweight. So pound for pound is every weight class but the heavyweight, okay? And the thought that I always have is take a fighter, no matter what fighter, we're talking about Vasily Lomachenko now, so let's take him, okay? And you keep the same attributes that he has, the same skill set, the way he pivots, the way he lands, his defensive prowess, you know, the mental part, every part of his game, and you that stays with him. And then you just change the maximum weight class he's in. Now, remember, it's every weight class but the heavyweight division. That's why you can't say, oh, well, Klitschko, uh, he, would be, he would have been a great pound-for-pound pound fighter too. Well, not really, because his size is what gave him the edge over heavyweight. So you, the size isn't going to be that much of a factor in lower weight classes because you have to make the weight. So if you made Vasily Lomachenko a middleweight, or a light heavyweight, or even a heavyweight going the opposite direction, and he still maintained the skill set that he has, he's still a badass. And he's still, that's what makes him number one. I, could you imagine Vasily Lomachenko as a heavyweight, Alex? Oh, oh my God. That would be terrifying. <laughs> I know. I would love it. I would love it. You know, we, you know. But, uh, but that's the way I define a pound-for-pound pound fighter. That's why you can insert guys like Manny Pacquiao or a Floyd Mayweather or anybody else uh, and, and give them other, uh, you know, just make them bigger. Take, the, take their, their body of, of work and their attributes and skill set and just make them bigger or smaller. They maintain it. Do they still dominate? And if the answer is yes, then they're a pound-for-pound pound fighter. I mean, that's the way I look at it. How do you look at it? Yeah, I think that's that's a very uh, a good definition of um, pound for pound. I think now, see, I, I agree with you that I tend not to include heavyweights. The only time I do would be like, say, somebody like Roy Jones Jr. Right. when he 
beat John Ruiz or like James Tony when he moved up and and fought like Holyfield and Rockman. Guys like that could be become even Evander Holyfield to some extent um, because they weren't always heavyweights. Um, because the heavyweight championship is the greatest prize in sports, uh, and I do think I still think of it that way, or I I like to. Um, that yeah, I think of the heavyweight champion as like sort of a different animal. The pound for pound title is not for them. Uh, however, traditionally that's not always the case because I like that logic. That's my, that's the way I do it. I agree with you. However. Um, you know, when I look, one of my favorite writers we've talked about is Mike Katz. And when I, he used to do pound for pound lists in his columns. And back in the 80s, uh, it was very common for him to put a heavyweight in there. So uh, I guess some, a lot of writers do. Uh, I don't. Um, that All that being said, I think boxing is about styles. And um, right now, I think two of the best fighters on earth because of the styles, are Lomachenko and Tyson Fury. So, Well, well, Terrence Crawford has got to be. Ter Terrence Crawford is a pound-for-pound. Pound Listen, Those I can't. Are Those are my guys. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, yeah, but Tyson Fury, he's seven foot four. I right. mean, I mean, I mean, you're not gonna, you're not I'm gonna be, a, you, he's, he's a monster for his own division. You're not gonna right. see I'm not him as pound for pound. Oh, oh, okay. Stylistically, that's a style nobody can cope with. I got you. I got you. Okay, okay. okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I was, a, I was, the blood pressure started rising. I thank you, thank you yeah, for it. I totally agree with you that in terms of pound for pound, we shouldn't be talking heavyweights, especially guys like because Klitschko's. Uh, Joshua's those guys are that shatter the mold. I mean, come on, they are too. They are like in the two hundred fifty pound range, six foot five, six six. That's ridiculous. So yeah. Um, but you know what? You know what I do for the. You, you know what I do with the heavyweight division? I put an asterisk next to it because heavyweights of yesteryear, who were you know basically cruiserweights of today. I would, I like to, you know, fantasize if they were Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder size, and they maintained their, their, you know, attributes, uh, how would they be? Like, for example, Jack Dempsey as a six foot seven, you know, it's Jack, Jack Dempsey, just add another 50 pounds on him and, you know, a half a foot. Uh, how much of a destroyer would he have been, or or even a Rocky Marciano, or even a, a a Jack Johnson, a Jack Johnson who was considered a monster in his era, at at slightly under six foot one, you know how bad of an ass would he have been at, at six seven or six eight, you know something like that. So I, I'll do that. But uh, could you imagine Jack Dempsey as Anthony Joshua's size? Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> well, it would it would be illegal. It would be illegal. I mean, and and I know this is this you know relax. I know this is gonna bring the hair make the hair stand oh, up no. on the back of your neck. Do I need to mute you? Is yeah? Is the Rottweiler in the room? Yes, he is. But he's <laughs> he's on he's on break. He's snoozing. But I remember, and I think I, I we might have talked about it on a show one time. It was years ago. But I one of my 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 favorite Floyd Mayweather Jr. performance 
is against Jesus Chavez. Um, he really battered him. He looked amazing. And I remember talking about that fight, saying if there were heavyweights that fought like that, uh, heavyweight boxing would be the most exciting uh, thing in sports. Oh yeah, uh, because that was what that was the last. Those were like some of those last fights. What was that? 130 pounds where Floyd looked like a monster. Flo Listen, Floyd, and I promised somebody in the chat room I was going to bring him up. But Floyd, prior to him being Floyd, in other words. The first, you know, uh, 10 years, uh, let, let me rephrase it. The last 10 years of Floyd's career was the cherry-picking, you know, multi-million dollar uh, businessman Floyd. That's the Floyd I criticize. But I will agree with you that prior to his breakup with top rank, Floyd Mayweather was a talented, aggressive fighter, similar to a young uh, uh, Terrence Crawford, etc. He he did go in for for the kill. His hands were weak and all of that. Um, so it, it's not like I don't recognize his talent. It was what he did with it, and the 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 pulling the mask over the fans' eye is what I, I, bothers me. He 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 sells something that he doesn't deliver, and that's what what bothers me. Anyway, let's get into some of these fights real quick. Um, Come on, you're not taking over the show here, Alex. All right, just because you're losing your head doesn't mean you take over the show. But, um, you know, as Jaime Mugaya, uh, is he going to get better? I mean, I, you know, I, I like the kid. He seems like the kind of kid you want to follow and, and, and hope that he does well. I'm not seeing this guy improve. And I didn't see him win last night either, but that's another story. Uh, he got the win, but I, am I being too hard on him? What was your thoughts of the fight and how he's progressing? I don't think you're being too hard on him at all. Uh, he was a 50-to-1 favorite, supposedly, uh, against Hogan last night. He sure didn't look like it. I did not score that fight round for round. And I'm sorry to the audience. I've said that quite a few times lately. With all these apps, and especially when they're counting counter-program, I try to watch them live, and it's very hard to, you know, when you're doing that, going back and forth. Um to, to, you know, give, give a good scorecard. Hey, I, you do realize, you do realize that, that I, you know, I said this to you before, but, but on these, on these, that. yeah, but no, but listen, on the streaming services, as long as you subscribe, when the fight's over, it's there for you, Alex. It's built yeah, in DVR. The hard thing about that is, if you make the mistake of going on social media... Nah, you can't do that, you know? though. Yeah, you can't do that. You got to shut all of that off. It's a Hey, listen, you can't have it all. You can't have it all. You know, you're only human, Alex. You can only, you can only retain and pay attention. Uh, you know, so if, if you truly want to score these fights, just, you know, turn off the phone, turn off the tablet, watch the fights, and, and you know, do your damn job. That's all I'm saying, you know? Exactly. I mean... <laughs> Close the door so the kiddies can... Yeah, that's right. And leave their opinions out of it, you know? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, is he so, going to get better? I, I hope he gets better because... Now, I don't know what the story was. If he underestimated Hogan, but... This was a gut check. And I think in that sense, it was really good. It was the most entertaining fight of the weekend. Although the Shields hammer fight was a lot of fun to watch, too. It was a lot more one-sided. Um, the uh, I thought Hogan, yeah, it looked like he pulled it off. Uh, and I thought that, you know, the I don't know. Like I said, I did not score it round by round. So I don't know how out of whack the scorecards are. 
Um, the, uh, I mean, in terms of what Hogan was doing, I thought he was being elusive when he needed to be. Uh, he rocked Mungia a few times. One time uh, he staggered him back. He went back yeah. like four or five steps. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, I don't know. It's uh, a fight I would definitely watch again. I think the, the you know, Mungia almost comes out of, you know, I, I hate to kick them now that they're, they're you know, in the, co- in, the, in the ground, but why not? Uh, he comes out of the HBO hype machine, um, I think. And I, I think that's what it looked like last night is that this guy is not a 50 to one favorite. And maybe maybe odds are crazy when they get out of whack like that. Um, and maybe, you know, I shouldn't be making such a big deal about it. But that they made that seem like it was going to be another bloodletting. Um and it certainly didn't look like it. That's uh, because that that's because the odds makers don't know the sport. It, 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 boxing, I keep saying it. It's the only sport that you don't have to know anything about boxing to be involved in it. You all you need is a couple of bucks. <laughs> you know, if you have a checkbook and there's money in the account, poof, you could be a trainer, you could be a promoter, you could be whatever you want. It's terrible. That that is the problem of the sport. But. Uh, uh, yeah, you could be a star. Overnight. That's right. You could be a star overnight. Uh, how much you pay me? But, uh, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that the judges scored the fight 115, 113, 116, 112, both in favor of Mugaya. And then the third judge had it even. One um, of the other things Mungia kept getting away with was banging him in the back of the head. I never liked to see that. And the referee never really scolded him thoroughly enough for that. That's such a dangerous foul. Yeah, he does do that. I just think, you know, his accumulation of punches and his punching power is, is his M.O., but he's not that quick. He's not even that accurate with his punches. He needs to develop some defense. He needs to v- develop some movement. Otherwise, he's not going to st- stand a chance when he moves up. Let's talk about the uh, female fight, Clarissa Shields, Christina Hammer. Uh, Cl- Clarissa Shields uh, fights... Totally man style, which I love watching. Um, she's uh, she's a complete fighter. At least she was last night. Um, you know, I love Christina Hammer, uh, but it was so obvious the contrast of styles and why that that European, that classic European style. It's like it's like during the Revolutionary War when 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 we were fighting guerrilla tactics against the British who were, you know, very organized and, you know, kneeling and, and doing everything by order, and it just didn't work. That's the way it was last night. Um, you know, Christina Hammer was fighting traditional stand-up, uh, jab-jab uh, power, and Clarissa Shields just uh, had her tied up uh, like a pretzel. What was your thoughts of the fight? Well, first of all, I love that analogy. Um, I, yeah, I thought that... Uh, she really dominated her um and it was it was really great to see that you could see her uh thinking strategically uh that first round she sort of gauged what what am i being faced with and she did um she did give her credit at the end of the fight about how hard her jab is um and you're right i mean for much of hammer's style had been predicated on a great jab um, and she showed, I mean, the, there were a couple of the judges, they disagreed 
on what rounds they gave Hammer. I thought Hammer won the first, and I thought she won the sixth. Uh, one judge had it. I th one or two gave her the last round. Um, but one of the things that I thought was intriguing was two of the judges uh, actually scored the eighth, 10-8, for Shields. And she did. She battered her pretty badly, uh, pretty severely in that eighth round. She thought that they had thrown in the towel, and there was some confusion at the end of that round. But, um, you know, to Hammer's credit, she, uh, you know, she, you know, finished the fight. I thought it was, um, I don't know, I'm not as hard on her as uh, you and Dax. Um, I, I think that um, that's her style. You know, she's only 24 years old. She's a kid. And she, she has, I mean, with the amateur background, she has a tremendous amount of credibility to justify the boasting. Um, I don't mind it because that was certainly her, you know, um, Liston, her, her Sonny Liston moment where, you know, uh, it, it, but she didn't shock the world. I think a lot of people expected her to look that good. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I'm excited about her. I'm looking forward to seeing what else she does. I thought she looked incredible last night. The other thing that's really cool, because uh, I like him as a trainer, is uh, John David Jackson. I think that it's a tremendous feather in his cap because uh, if you think about it, um, one of the last times we saw him in a, prof a high-profile training gig was with Sergey Kovalev. And now here he is with the best female fighter on earth. And uh, what was the, I think they mentioned that was their fourth fight. It usually takes three or four fights for a trainer-fighter relationship to gel and look how good she looked last night. Uh, and they really seem to have a nice simpatico there in the corner, uh, their interaction. Uh, I don't know, I like Clarissa Shield. Yeah, Shields, there are, is times where, you know, you brace yourself, well, well what's she gonna say? I don't mind that, um, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was a really good night for women's boxing. Yeah, you go to the corner, and I, I have to admit, with one of the announcers, I, I've never heard the fighter talking more than the trainer. And yeah, uh, she's very. She verbal. never shuts up. She's. Uh, she I, doesn't. I, I have I have someone I know that that's like that. But um, uh, in any event, um, let's talk a little about the fights next week. Uh, first and foremost. Uh, we got Terrence Crawford going up against Amir Khan. A lot of people aren't giving Amir Khan much of a chance in this fight. You have to. Amir Khan's got punching power. Um, uh, Terrence Crawford, uh, you've heard me say uh, he's a pound-for-pound -pound guy, um, number one. Uh, what's your thoughts on the fight, Alice? How do you see it going, and who's going to win? Yeah, I agree with you in terms if there's if there's any single fighter today who embodies the sort of spirit of marvelous Marvin Hagler. It's uh, the ambidextrous uh, Terrence Crawford. Um, he uh, he wants to hurt you. He wants to break you down. He can switch back and forth. Um, and uh, he he knows that this is a blood sport. Um, Amir Khan, he will look good for a couple of rounds, maybe two rounds. He's nice and speedy. He's going to need it. Uh, no, I don't give him much of a shot. I think Ter Terrence Crawford, uh, it'll be sort of like trying to stop the a high tide. Um, and that's I, Amir Khan is out there up to his uh, 
hips in water, and I think Terrence Crawford is going to uh, stop him within six. How, and there's a couple of uh, heavyweight fights on next week that could uh, at least uh, uh, earn a, a couple of these winners, uh, you know, uh, to be mentioned in a discussion of a possible uh, title shot or, or a uh, today we like to have uh, <clears throat> elimination title fights, you know, so you get an elimination to to get uh, a chance to great. you get Don't you get them. you get a chance to fight an eliminator. Yeah. To, to the possibility of getting a shot at one of the interim or champions in recess, which would, if you won that, you'd get a shot at one of the potential champions. And then if you won that, you might get a belt. And then if you win, uh, I could go on and on, and we still won't have a champion. But nonetheless, Andy Ruiz against Alexander Dimitrenko. How do you see that fight going and who's going to win? I tell you, Billy C., one day I hope to grow up to be an eliminator. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so, so great to be in an, in an eliminator yeah. about. Hey, what did, you, what did you become a boxer for? My goal in life is to be an elimination bout. I really want to be an eliminator. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. I, I think that's, yeah, I, I think Ruiz beats Dimitrenko. Dimitrenko is, is pretty long in the tooth. Um, and I think, you know, like we've been talking about that um, European style, he's certainly a good example of that. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. There's still a big, quite a gulf in the heavyweight division. Uh, I didn't get to see um, more than like two rounds of that uh, heavyweight fight last night. But, um, yeah, uh, that's the thing about heavyweight boxing is – it's almost like a different sport. Steve Farhood has said that quite a bit, is that um, there's so much physicality to it that it is, you know, watching two big guys glom on each other, you know? Um, you don't see that with uh, the lighter weights. There's there's much more action. Um, so it does, it's that, that physical factor wears on the guys because that tires you out so of course it affects what you're watching but yeah it doesn't make what you're watching all that uh, exciting <laughs> no it does not um Derek that, Chizor that, that's why when we get a great heavyweight fight it's such an amazing thing because sometimes it is caca no I know some other heavyweight fights Dave Allen against Lucas Brown who do you like who um <laughs> You're like, who? Uh... Yeah. Um, I, you know, Dave Allen, I don't, I don't think, I, I, I can't remember if I've seen him. I don't know about that one. And Derek Chisorda. Derek. Like one of those guys to win. One of those two will win? One of those two guys is You're right. Good. You know, you know, Dax picked it the same way. You yeah, know, he's, I... <laughs> that's good. That's good. And uh, Derek Chisora against Sinead uh, Gasha. One of those two guys will win too, right? Yeah, I tell you, I like Derek Chisora. Um, he's certainly one of those uh, guys who um, has has been uh, a factor in several really entertaining fights. Um, he was in, what was it, the Takam fight last year. That was a great fight. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know uh, if Gaucha is somebody who's, um, I, that name doesn't ring a bell, um, but... Uh, if he's you know somebody they're expecting to beat Chisora or not, but um, uh, I'll, I'd be interested to watch that. Is that a DAZN fight? Yeah, it is. 
it is next week. There's a bunch of fights, but Alex will be. It's amazing. It it's it, it really is a good time for boxing in terms of the stuff that's on. Um, availability. The availability is there. Yeah, the availability is incredible. It sometimes the quality. I don't know some of these fights that like the 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 two supporting bouts last night on Showtime. I, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's. That's what we're getting now. When you get a, a marquee matchup as the main event, they can't afford to bring in any other ones. I, you know, the, the Showtime, uh, what was it, the, uh, uh, the Showbox, the next generation, that used to be so, uh, and it, they're trying to get back to that, where you had lit- literally two up-and-comers equal, and they fought each other. I, I really like that series, uh, but we'll see. I, I think... The Zone and ESPN Plus are really coming into their own, and and I like what's what it's uh, producing. Uh, Alex, uh, I appreciate you coming on. Next week we're going to make an announcement uh, that's going to uh, basically uh, feature you and myself and uh, uh, others. So uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that, and then we can be real real excited next week. That sounds good. All right, All right see, you have a great week. You too. That's Alex uh, Propelli, and like I said, uh, make sure you. Uh, uh, come by next week to uh, hear the announcement uh, that we will have for you. Very excited. All right, I'm going to give you my breakdowns and predictions of the fights next week. Terrence Crawford against Amir Khan. I'll save that one for last. I'll go uh, uh, with Derek Chisora against Sunid Gashi. Uh, Derek Chisora is uh, ranked number 13 in the world at, in the heavyweight division. He's got a record of 29 wins, 9 losses. 21 of his 29 victories have come uh, by knockout. And of his 9 losses, uh, he has lost 3 times. And keep in mind, he's also fought the best heavyweights uh, in the division uh, as um, a gatekeeper of sorts. He takes on uh, Sunid Gashi, who's 28 years old. He's got a record of 17-2 and two with all of his wins coming by knockout, 17 knockouts. And of his two losses, he was only stopped once, and that was against Tar- Carlos Takam in his last fight uh, in December of last year. Um, I think that this is a typical uh, Chisora-type fight. He's uh, testing Gashi. If Gashi wins this fight, he'll get some opportunities. Uh, and if Chisora wins this fight, he'll earn himself not only another opportunity, but another decent-sized payday. I'm picking Derek Chisora in this fight. It's going to be an ugly fight, and that's exactly how Derek Chisora likes it. I'm picking Derek Chisora. Um, the next fight I'm going to pick is uh, David Allen against Lucas Brown. David Allen is ranked number 47 in the world as at the heavy at, in the heavyweight division. He's got a record of 16 and four with 13 knockouts. Of his four losses, he was stopped twice. There was a lot of fanfare about David Allen when he turned pro. Uh, he just hasn't lived up to the expectations. He steps in with a guy uh, who was a former world champion uh, in Lucas Brown, but his uh, career has been tainted with the steroid uh, uh, use that he uh, adamantly des- denies. Uh, but uh, he tested positive not once but twice, uh, was stripped, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He's uh, ranked number 26 in the world at heavyweight. He's 40 years old now, 28 wins, only one loss. Uh, with 24 knockouts, and his loss was a uh, stoppage at the hands of Dillian White. Um, he was not himself in that fight at all. But then again, do we really know who Lucas Brown is, 40 years old? Um, I, I don't think David Allen, uh, even though he's considered the A side of this fight, 
I'm picking Lucas Brown. I think Lucas Brown's going to win this fight, and I think that uh, he's going to get himself uh, another uh, another big fight uh, before he's done. Uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. against Alexander Dimitrenko. I've been very critical of Andy Ruiz and his uh, physique. He has lost some weight, but he is a talented fighter. I think his height is what will uh, prevent him from beating one of the top guys. Uh, Alexander Dimitrenko, like I mentioned before, even though he's only 36 years old, he's been in some tough fights. Uh, he's got a record of 41 wins and four losses with 26 knockouts, but he was stopped three times of his four losses. Uh, in the heavyweight division, he's ranked at number 38. Andy Ruiz, he's 30 win 31 wins and one loss, 20 of his wins coming by knockout. His loss came at the hands of Joseph Parker, and like Dax said earlier, you could make the argument that he won that fight. Uh, number 19 in the heavyweight division. Listen, I think this is an important fight for Andy Ruiz. I think a win over Demetrenko gets him a title shot again or a rematch with Joseph Parker would be interesting as well. Both of them uh, needing to get a win. I'm picking Andy Ruiz. Uh, the next fight I'm going to pick is the Danny Garcia return. He's taking on Adrian Granados. Granados is ranked number uh, 22 in the welterweight division. He's got a record of 20 wins with six losses. Um, and uh, of those six losses, he was never stopped. He's a, he's a tough guy for sure. 14 knockouts of his 20 wins. Um, he's 30. Uh, uh, he's uh, uh, tw uh, how old is he? I don't know how old he is. But uh, he is uh, a fighter that is just known for his toughness. He takes on Danny Garcia, former two-divisional world champion. He's ranked at number five in the world at welterweight. He's 34-2 and two with 20 knockouts. He's 31 years old, coming off his 12-round loss to Sean Porter in September of last year. This is a, uh, uh, a, not a layup fight for Danny Garcia, but it's a win. Uh, and finally, the big fight of the weekend, in my opinion, it's on pay-per-view. Terrence Crawford against Amir Khan. Like I said uh, with Alex a little earlier, uh, Amir Khan, a lot of people aren't giving him a chance. But but he's a good fighter. Make no mistake. He's got punching power. He's got hand speed. He's got accuracy. He sells tickets. Uh, Amir Khan is ranked number 10 uh, in the welterweight division. He's an orthodox fighter with a 33 win and four loss record. Of his four losses... Yeah, you could pretty much say that his weakness is the fact that he gets stopped. He was stopped three times of his four losses, um, two of those three times against uh, top fighters, uh, and one against a guy that we thought was a top fighter that never really amounted to anything after his knockout of Amir Khan. And, of course, I'm talking about Prescott. Uh, of the 33 wins by Amir Khan, 20 came by knockout. His last fight was a 12-round decision over uh, Sam Vargas, and uh, that took place in September of last year, seven months ago. Uh, like I said, uh, Khan's an orthodox fighter, number 10, 32 years old, five foot eight and a half. He has the privilege of stepping in the ring with who I think is uh, tied for number one pound for pound in the world today with Vasily Lomachenko, and that, of course, uh, is one of my favorite fighters of today. Terrence Crawford clearly has a mean streak, takes care of business, love the guy. If you've never seen him fight, uh, if you don't like watching Terrence Crawford fight or a guy like Vasily Lomachenko, then you're not a boxing fan. Terrence Crawford's ranked number one in the world uh, at welterweight. 
uh, and I agree with that ranking. Some people think uh, uh, Spence is, Errol Spence Jr. I don't think so. I think Mikey Garcia uh, proved that by taking him the distance, uh, even though Spence was bigger and stronger. Um, Crawford's last fight uh, was uh, um, uh, in... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, his last fight was a 12-round TKO over Jose Benavidez Jr. in October of last year, six months ago. He's 34-0, 25 knockouts. He's 31 years old. Uh, he is five foot eight southpaw. You know, I get into an argument a lot about Terrence Crawford. Uh, a lot of people don't respect his resume. Well, the truth of the matter is, if you look at his last 15 fights going all the way back to 2013, he has beaten top opposition. And you have to look at the opposition at the time when he fought them. That's why I think he's as good as he is. This is not a guy that you look at the current records of these fighters. These fighters have been ruined, in a sense, by Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford, when he first busted onto the scene, he was brought in as an undefeated fighter from Nebraska. Nobody thought this guy was very good after all. Nebraska is not known for, uh, you know, producing some great fighters. Uh, so they thought he was just a built-up uh, running that west, uh, mid-central west, I guess you could call it, uh, plains, if you will, uh, circuit. And uh, he was brought in as an opponent, and he upset the apple cart, won the fight. Was brought in as an opponent the next time, upset the apple cart, won the fight. And finally, the third time, brought in as the B-side, upset the apple cart, won the fight. Then the powers that be finally decided, hey, you know, this guy's pretty good. And he's been uh, on the A-side ever since, and he's made his claim to fame. I'm thinking that this is going to be an exciting fight. I do think it's going to be an entertaining fight for a few rounds. Then Terrence Crawford's going to do what he does. He's going to move in and uh, destroy Amir Khan. I think he wins by stoppage, and I agree with Dax Khan. I think it's going to be a brutal stoppage. I'm picking Terrence Crawford over Amir Khan. Listen, boys and girls, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we'll be looking forward to you uh, turning in, tuning in uh, next week. Uh, we do have a big announcement. We will talk about all the results from these fights. Uh, and like always, uh, make sure you catch up uh, during the week on all of the past shows. And don't forget to give the uh, television channel a new sh a shot. I think you're going to love some of the stuff that's on, especially uh, Saturday afternoons, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. Uh, we got uh, the replays of uh, some of the big uh, events we did. So uh, check out the Billy C. Boxing Television Network uh, on Roku. Uh, the best thing to do is go to Ginico USA. Ginico, G-I-N-I-K-O, USA.com. Remember, tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.